Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Scoopy Radio. On the plane, on the train, in the alleyway, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop on Scorpion. Make sure you, most importantly, subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast, which is available on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. Scoopy Radio garnered 3.5 million streams last year and has had anyone from Charles Barkley to Kenny the Jet Smith to the voice of Siri, DJ Khaled, and more. We're diverse and on the line right now with a guy, literally, that I have been reading since college. It's none other than my colleague at Heavy.com, Sean Devaney. Sir, welcome to Scoopy Radio. Well, thanks for having me, Scoop. I appreciate it. You're welcome. For those who are trying to the party, Sean Devaney is a national writer, uh, formerly at Sporting News, now at Heavy. You've authored four books, uh, including Facing Michael Jordan, and you've been around. Listen, you start. You were an intern at Sporting News in 1997 when I was getting my start as a childhood radio host with the Nets. There you go, man. I mean, I guess we're getting old. Does that mean we're getting old? I don't know. I don't feel old. Do you? Hell no, I don't feel old, Sean. <laughs> All right, there you go. So I want to, first and foremost, I have been on this Carmelo Anthony wave. Um, I think that he deserves to be on a team. He's had a lot of circumstances that um, have been his fault, some that have just been circumstantial. Um, over at Heavy, you've spoken to a myriad of different people in articles you've penned. What sense do you get in the NBA of where Carmelo is and why he's not with the team? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's what? There's 420, 430 guys in the NBA uh, uh, right now. And you can't tell me that, that Carmelo is 431. You know, you can't tell me he's not on the list of, of the top 400 players, uh, in the league right now. Um, you know, I, I, I think that he's gotten, he, he, he was scapegoated, uh, in the last couple places that he's been, certainly Oklahoma city, definitely in Houston. Uh, and, uh, and even to an extent with the Knicks at the end. Uh, and because of that, he's, he's got this sort of, uh, toxicity about him. You, you know, there's, there's a sense that, 
uh, you know, it, it's a risk to bring him in, and and we'll uh, uh, we'll wind up paying that price. And and if you're the GM, then then you're gonna uh, take a hit for it. Um, when in reality, you know, if you look at Oklahoma City, look, the, the, two years ago when they had him compared to last year, were they any better last year? No, they were they were pretty much the same team, and 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 the results were the same. Uh, so you can say maybe he didn't make them better. He certainly didn't make them worse, though. Um, so, you know, I think the, you can look at that. You can look at Houston. You know, he, he played 10 games there, and then, and then he, gets, uh, uh, he gets waves. Uh, eventually they figured things out. Uh, but the 10 games that they played after he was gone, they weren't any better either. You know, and so it's, he, he took the hit for these teams uh, when he really didn't deserve it, and, and, and now he's sort of got that, uh, uh, that cloud over him, uh, and teams are just staying away. And, uh, and it's unfortunate because I do think the guy – uh, still has something to give, uh, and and it's worth a shot. I mean, look, has he ever been in trouble? You know, has he is, is he a guy who's gotten in trouble with the law? Or, you know, those kinds of things. Is he? Um, you know, he's never really been a locker room problem, things like that. Uh, you know, a lot of this reputation stuff uh, to me is unfounded. Scoopy Radio, iHeart, Google Play, TuneIn, App, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all the line with Sean Devaney. You talked about um, kind of just the Oklahoma City days and the Knicks days. I take it back to Denver. Um, he played in his first year under Jeff Zellick, and then uh, George Carl took over. And when George Carl put out his book, he said there was a conundrum around Carmelo Anthony. And, and, you know, you look at any young kid with a lot of money doing his thing, they want the ball, they just start a team. Then you look at Zellick when Carmelo comes to Houston. It was talked that he left because Carmelo came. And, you know, uh, Mike D'Antoni kind of shot down those rumors. It seems like people just have this connotation about Carmelo. When you, and I feel like it's often compared Carmelo versus Wade and LeBron. Wade and LeBron took smaller deals. They ended up moving around the league. Melo stayed in teams in bulk. And so I think there's this perception that Melo just wants to score and collect a lot of money. But then people forget he won gold medals with USA Basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, when the Knicks were losing, he made it fashionable to come to New York when everybody else didn't want to go. It kind of feels like in your mind, and tell me if you see it this way, people look at him like he took the money and he only cares about himself, and um, here we are. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, you know, I think there's first of all, I don't want I'm not a, a you know, blind mellow defender. Uh there's right. no question that that when he was in Denver, he was tough to deal with, you know, as far as coaches go. Uh, you know, because he he, he was a ball stopper, he was a guy who uh uh, you know, was very much an isolation player and, and, and wanted to sort of back you down and take turnaround, uh, 13, 14 footers. And that's, that's not necessarily great basketball. Um, so, you know, there's, 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 there's no question. Uh, but you know, George Carl is a great example. Um, you know, you know, look at how he was with Ray Allen, uh, certainly DeMarcus Cousins, uh, you know, George Carl doesn't have a great reputation as far as reaching young players and teaching them and, and, and showing them the way, uh, you know, you talked Ray Allen about that, and he he'll have uh, you know he'll give you uh, a mouthful about George Carl, uh, certainly to Marcus Cousins as well. So you know that's that's you got to kind of put everything uh, into context. But you, you know I, I think with New York, especially in the end with Phil, uh, I think that that Phil, without saying it, I think he scapegoated Carmelo. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go back to when Carmelo, I think it was what the summer of fourteen. 
when he was eligible for for a new contract, he had to opt out of his old contract and sign that $115 million deal. Uh, Phil was in the media saying, you know, it would be better if Carmelo, you know, he had had the knee injury. And and Phil was telling the New York media, hey, it would be better if Carmelo would opt in for that one year. It would give us more flexibility. It would do all this and do all that. Uh, you know, that's kind of stuff. You can't tell a guy, you know, opt into to one year for $18, 19000000 million to give up the possibility of getting $115 million. Uh, but, but Phil was doing that. So I, I felt at the time, and this was five years ago, that Phil was setting him up. Uh, to be a scapegoat, and that's that's sort of been the pattern that 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 uh, uh, that has kind of befallen Carmelo Anthony since then. You know, it's something that uh, that that he hasn't been able to escape uh, in all the stops that he's made uh, uh, since that time. Sean Devaney on the line with Scoopy Scoop Radio, Radio, author of the 2012 book When Like Lynn, a book on Jeremy Lynn and his insanity days with the New York Knicks. Um, Sean, you wrote something uh, recently about um, Clay Thompson, and you talked to a doctor who advised, uh, in your article, who advised Clay Thompson to basically sit out for two years um, rather than, you know, sitting out one year. Um, I tore my ACL, and I remember I didn't play in the NBA, and I don't have a round-the-clock medical service, but I definitely felt better in year two. Mm-hmm. Um when you look at Derrick Rose comparatively, mm-hmm. do you think Derrick Rose would have done better to sit out for two years like the doctor was advising Clay Thompson to do? I th- I, so what the doctor and and he went through uh, you know reams of of of, uh, of studies that have been done on this, uh, not just on basketball players but on football players, uh, on on rugby players and 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 football players in Australia. Uh, you know he he was he went went everywhere and 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 studied these injuries and saw how athletes came back. And the two things that stand out are one, when, if a player does come back within the first year, and, and Clay wants to come back in seven months, I think that. That's, that's really push. I'd be surprised if the Warriors let him do that. Uh, but if you come back in that first year, your numbers are not going to be the same. You're going to struggle. Uh, and, and, and the reason you're going to struggle is, is the ACL isn't healed. It takes 18 to 24 months for the little graft that they put on to heal that ACL to make it solid. Uh, before that, it's kind of mush. So you're playing uh, on a ligament that still isn't, isn't done baking. You know, you're, you're, yeah. it's, like, it's like pulling out, uh, uh, you know, pulling out the, uh, the cake while it's, uh, you know, only halfway done. You don't want to do that. So uh, so, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is you just, you, your, your chances of re-injury in that first year are, are, are astronomical. And, 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 it, you know, uh, I, when I say astronomical, it's only like 10% more, but when you consider what's at stake, 10% is a lot. That is a, that is a high, uh, incidence of, uh, of re-injury. So, so that was the doctor's point. And, uh, uh, you know, Clay kind of pushing himself to come back. Uh, you know, that's something that uh, uh, that is definitely risky. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's risky, particularly because when you look at the NBA's Western Conference, uh, there's a guy out in L.A. named LeBron James and Anthony mm-hmm. Davis, who many predict are, are going to run away with the NBA's uh, NBA final trophy. Um, I, I, you have to be kind of careful about that because a lot of people thought the Warriors were going to win it with them signing DeMarcus Cousins. So um, going into the NBA season, what say you about the Lakers' chances this year? 
I, I think it comes down to Lakers and Clippers. I think I think those two teams, uh, and and there's a bunch of teams that I, I really like what they did. Uh, you know, Philadelphia obviously uh, is one of them. I think Milwaukee will be strong again in the East. Um, but uh, but but I think the Clippers and the Lakers are sort of. Uh, uh, you know, head and shoulders above everybody. Uh, and, and, you know, no question that the Lakers uh, are stacked on the front line. And I think that, that the difference that, that may wind up giving the Clippers the advantage is they've got the depth and, and they can withstand injury. They can withstand uh, some, uh, uh, some bad luck. Uh, I think a lot better than the Lakers can. Uh, so that's something that, uh, uh, you know, I think it's going to come down to those two, two teams. I would actually favor the Clippers though, uh, just because I, I, I really like their depth. I like the fact that they have role players, uh, the fact that they can defend, uh, you know, that you got to give, they've got an assistant coach, Rex Kalamian, uh, who completely changed their defense last year. Uh, and, you know, with the defensive personnel he has now, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, still got Patrick, uh, Patrick Beverly. Uh, you, that's that's going to be an excellent, excellent defensive team. Uh, and they can run a lot of uh, uh, defenders. I, they've got young guys that they're pretty excited about. Uh, Terrence Mann uh, from Florida State, that they really like him. Uh, you know, so, so, you know, they've got some, I think they think Jerome Robinson, who was a draft pick two years ago, didn't get to play much last year. I think they think that, 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 that he's going to be a contributor. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I understand that the Lakers sort of have uh, the, the bigger names and, and anytime you have LeBron, you're going to get more attention. But I, I think I just, I like where the Clippers are uh, a little better than where the Lakers are right now. Chris Paul has a, a contract that includes a $44.2 million player option for the 2021-22 season. Um, you reported on Heavy uh, that the Heat are still in the driver's seat. Um, would that deal include Tyler Hero? I think if you're Oklahoma City, it uh, it would have to. And I think if you're Miami, there's no way it can. And that's why we haven't seen the deal right now, uh, because in the end, if you're if you're Oklahoma City, you're still looking at Chris Paul as an asset uh, who I want something for this guy. You know, this is still uh, an all star caliber player, uh, you know, maybe not quite on that level, but 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 certainly uh, near that level uh, probably could be an all star if he was playing in the East next year. Um, but if you're Miami, you're looking at the contract number and saying, no, 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 no. If we take him, we're doing you a favor. So you've got to give us, you know, some draft picks. Uh, so that's, that's, that's sort of where that standoff is. Uh, I do think that, that as things progress, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens with Miami. Uh, if they underachieve coming out, coming out of the gate, I think there'll be more pressure on them to do something. I don't think they're in a hurry to make this happen. Uh, but you know, we'll see how things unfold in training camp. Uh, they're comfortable with Goran Dragic. Obviously they know him and, and, and they know what he can do. He'd probably be included in any deal, uh, for Chris Paul. Uh, so, you know, if they, if they come out and, and they look like they're going to be uh, a team that can, that, that can get to the high 40s and wins and, and, and give themselves a chance at least to contend in the Eastern Conference, I think that they'll probably pass on, on making a deal for Chris Paul. But if, but if things look like, you know, this is another instance where we're going to have uh, a team that's just a little bit above 500, uh, then, the, then they're going to have some pressure to make a deal. He have Jimmy Butler. They're looking to get Chris Paul. I had Chris Haynes on the Scoopy Radio podcast, and he said to me, uh, if the Heat kind of uh, do their thing, 
Um, while many people he could see, while many people think Dwayne Wade would join the Lakers, um, he sees the Heat as an option uh, coming out of retirement and playing. What do you see? Do you see Lakers? Do you see Heat? Or do you see him staying retired? I think he's going to stay retired. Uh, I agree with Chris, though, that if he comes back, uh, you know, given what happened when he when, when he's tried to come back with other teams before, uh, he didn't like it much. He wants to be in Miami. He wants to be in Miami or be nowhere. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I think uh, uh, if he's going to come back, then it would be with the Heat. Uh, but I, I, I don't even think he really wants to do that at this point. I think he's, uh, uh, he's going to have a nice, comfortable retirement, uh, you know, stay involved with the team, uh, but, but, but do so in, uh, uh, in civilian clothing. Sean Devin on the line of Scoopy Radio. Why is Jalen Brown unlikely to sign an extension with the Celtics before the deadline? Well, for one thing, the Celtics don't give extensions. I mean, just look at the history. Um, you know, there's 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 no question that uh, uh, that they've been reluctant to do that. Uh, they've been reluctant to even gauge. If you go back even to uh, you know 2015, uh, Jared Sullinger, uh, they didn't they didn't talk to uh, uh, to him about an extension, and he had had a pretty good year. The I know he winds up signing with uh, Toronto and then sort of flaming out of the leagues in China now. Uh, but, uh, but, but when he was eligible for an extension, he had averaged like 13 points and seven and a half rebounds. You know, he, he had a very good year uh, and there was some talk that, okay, well, maybe he's going to stick around for a while. They didn't even talk to him about an extension. Uh, the following year was Kelly uh, uh, Olenek. And again, they didn't even talk to him about an extension. It wasn't until reporters went up to Kelly Olenek and said, hey, you know, today's the deadline. Is there anything uh, going on extension and, and Olenek was like, oh, today's the deadline? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> they, the report, he, did, he found out about it from reporters, basically. Uh, and Marcus Smart, you know, the next year they, they, they came a little bit closer, uh, but nothing happened with that. Uh, they wind up, the, he's one guy that they did wind up resigning. And then, of course, Terry Rozier, uh, they let him go last year. Didn't really talk to him much about an extension either. So this is something that the Celtics just don't do. And then if you're Jalen Brown, you know, you have to think that if you hit free agency, even if it's restricted free agency next summer, you're going to be in a pretty good position. It's a very weak class of free agents, uh, and, and, and he's a guy who's going to be 23 years old. Uh, it's going to be a lot of rebuilding teams will be very, very interested in him. So he should be able to get a very big offer uh, if, uh, uh, if he just plays this year out. Uh, so there isn't much incentive on either side right now for Jalen Brown to get an extension. When you look at Kimball Walker, he comes out of Charlotte, uh, finds greener pastures closer to home in the Bronx, still in Boston, of course. Um, what do you make of his season this year? Does, do you think he becomes more of a household name, or was he already a household name already? I, I think he'll become more of a household name. I think it's a higher profile uh, team, obviously. Uh, you know, Charlotte has just been – such a mess during his entire tenure. You know, he was really the only positive uh, that they had going. Uh, so, you know, I think that, uh, uh, that, that, that he's going to be, uh, his profile is already raised just by being in Boston. Uh, but, you know, he's also got more pressure. Uh, he's got pressure to not be Kyrie Irving. He, you know, some of the leadership questions that popped up about Kyrie, some of the uh, strange answers he gave in press conferences and things like that, uh, that all that's going to be scrutinized with Kemba. And the bigger issue is going to be ball distribution. Uh, you know, in Charlotte, 
Kemba could just score and score and score. He had to. There was nobody else. You know, it was him or or Cody Zeller. You know, I mean, so, so it's got to be Kemba. He's going to have to be the one who does the scoring. Uh, and, you know, in Boston, he's going to have to be more of a distributor. You have to get Gordon Hayward involved. You have to get Jalen Brown involved. Of course, you have to get Jason Tatum involved. Uh, you know, you, you've got so many options there. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know, Kemba's such a great scorer himself. So uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. But, uh, uh, but you know, he's, he's a guy who uh, is probably – uh, better built to uh, uh, to handle that and uh, uh, and to to deal with that than than what we were able to see in Charlotte because uh, you know he was sort of a one man show there. You talked about uh, Kyrie Irving in Boston and, and he moves over obviously to the Brooklyn Nets. He grew up a New Jersey Nets fan. Uh, told me it was a pleasure to watch Jason Kidd play the game of basketball during his time in New Jersey. From your perspective, being in the Boston area and seeing Kyrie in Brooklyn and also seeing him win a championship in 2016 with the Cleveland Cavaliers, here's the million-dollar question. Um, which Kyrie has to play? Which Does the Boston version of Kyrie or the Cleveland Kyrie, uh, which version comes to Brooklyn and helps them propel to some sort of a win or solidifying some type of uh, structure in Brooklyn? Which Kyrie has to show up in Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because it's going to be, you know, you're going to have one Kyrie this year and then a different Kyrie next year. You know, playing with Kevin Durant is going to be much different uh, than uh, the, the, than what he's got uh, this year with, with, with Levert and Dinwiddie and guys like that, uh, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, definitely being the number two option. And I think Kyrie is best as a number two option. I think that uh, uh, his time in Boston sort of showed that. I don't know if he got that message. I don't know if that's what he uh, picked up from Boston. Obviously, he wanted to play with Kevin Durant, so something tells you that uh, he knows he's going to be the second fiddle when when he's playing with Kevin Durant, and maybe that's something uh, he decided uh, that, uh, that 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 he was more comfortable with. Uh, but you know, it's 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 definitely something that uh, uh, that was pretty clear, I think, in Boston uh, over over the course of his tenure that uh, uh, that you know he needs work on leadership there's no question I don't think he's a bad guy or anything like that I think uh, you know he's another guy who maybe was was scapegoated more than uh, uh, than he should have been uh, but uh, but you know I think that that he's just got a lot to learn about uh, taking control of the team about managing uh, the, the egos in a locker room about uh, you know if you're going to be that leader uh, how do you do it you know how do you, how do you manage young guys who who want to get more touches and maybe think they're better than they are uh, and and how do you manage veteran guys who uh you know who feel a certain sense of entitlement you know that's all stuff that a leader's got to do uh and he struggled with that uh but you know going to brooklyn uh you know this year he's going to have to be uh sort of the player that we saw that was so ball dominant especially down the stretch of games uh uh in in boston he's going to have to do that in brooklyn this year he won't have to do it next year though not if not if kevin durant is anything close to to uh, uh, 200%. Scoopy Scoop Radio, Radio. With Sean Devaney. I have to go across the bridge and ask this question about the Knicks. Do they outperform last year? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I think so. Uh, you know, last year was just such a uh, – it was such a, uh, a negative year. You know, I mean, just, just everything was – was was heaped in negativity uh and 
uh, you know, the trade with Porzingis. It just, it, you really had a sense that, uh, that there wasn't a whole lot to play for. Um, you know, if they can come in uh, and you get a guy like R.J. Barrett, if, if, if he can be the scorer, uh, anything close to the scorer uh, that, that, that they think he can be, uh, then they're going to have, you know, something to hang their hat on. Uh, I like some of the things they did because what they did uh, is they brought in a lot of competitive, competitive guys. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're thinking you're going to go in and play on a team with Marcus Morris and go half speed at times, you, you, you have never played with Marcus Morris before. He's not going to allow that. Uh, and you know, Bobby Portis is, is a pretty intense guy. Uh, as we've seen, you can ask, uh, uh, you know, Miritich about that, of course, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Todd Gibson, uh, you know, great, uh, great veteran type leader. Uh, again, it's sort of an intense player, a guy who, uh, is going to be professional and demand professional people around professionalism, uh, out of the people around him. Uh, Julius Randall. I mean, I, I like the guys that, that they brought in uh, to put around R.J. Barrett uh, and sort of facilitate the, uh, his development. I think he's got a lot of sort of veteran protection around him. I think that's a really good thing. I think it's going to be a different attitude. They're not a very good team. I mean, look, they're not going to win 50 games, probably not going to win 40. Uh, but, you know, if they can be a, a, a competitive, uh, you know, 30-something win team, I think that's a, that's a real improvement for them. That's something that uh, that you can say, okay, uh, you know, at least we have a direction now. Scoopy Scoop Radio, talking to the show. Devin, a few more questions. You um, announced with the NBA, and I look at um, Derek Rose's um, resurgence pretty much the last year and a half as a miracle. I, I kind of touched on Derek Rose when I was asking about Clay Thompson. When you look at him in Detroit, where does he fit in that? It seems like they're very guard dominant and it's focused on Blake Griffin. I, yeah, I mean, Detroit, I think, is going to be one of the interesting teams to watch uh, uh, between now and the trade deadline. Uh, I, I don't think they expect to re-sign Andre Drummond next summer. Uh, so, you know, is he a trade candidate? Is he somebody they feel they can get something for? Uh, is he somebody uh, uh, who they're going to actively shop? I think that's going to be something really interesting to watch. Uh, uh, you know, I think that's that's – uh, that's going to determine sort of where they go and and, and what their team looks like. Uh, I think the more that 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 you take away that that sort of paint dominant guy, the more you can play more of these guards together. You can have uh, Reggie Jackson and Derrick Rose on the floor uh, together, and 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 you know that's 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 probably their best pairing in the backcourt uh, when they can do that. Uh, you know you're going to give up something defensively, but if they want to play fast, if they want to play uh, with a certain pace, uh, then I think that's going to wind up being better for them. Uh, and, you know, obviously you're always worried about Blake Griffin's health. Uh, that's, that's been, uh, uh, you know, two, three years, uh, uh, that, uh, that you've had that concern. Uh, but you know, I, I, I think Eric Rose is going to get a chance, uh, at least to be a six man and, and, and probably to start, uh, off the ball, uh, with Reggie Jackson at some points, depending on matchups and things like that, and depending on injuries. Um, you know, I think that's something that Dwayne Casey will, uh, uh, will look to explore, but, but this is a real opportunity, I think, for Derek Rose, uh, to, uh, to, to come in and, and, and show that, uh, you know, he can be that kind of combo guard that a lot of teams really like now, uh, I, that, that, that he can do that, uh, for a team that, that has a chance to make the playoffs. And, and, you know, the Pistons were an excellent team, 
uh, after the All-Star break, or really after mm-hmm. about mid-January last year, uh, they really got turned around. Uh, I, I think Dwayne Casey is a very underrated coach. Uh, you know, coach of the year won 60 games two years ago and gets fired, of course. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think that he's going to find really good ways to use Derrick Rose. I think that's going to be a great opportunity for him. The Philadelphia 76ers have been Simmons, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, and Al Horford as their starting four. What's missing? A shooter. I mean, JJ Reddick. <laughs> if, they, if they could have uh, found a way to do all this and uh, and kept him, that 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 would have been uh, uh, that would have been ideal. Uh, but you know, they obviously they're hoping that Josh Richardson uh, can uh, can fill that role. You know, Richardson uh, is a pretty good three point shooter. I don't think he's somebody who you uh, you know that your defense is really going to uh, make note of every time down the floor the way you have to do with JJ. Redick, uh, but he's also not a defensive liability the way Redick was. Uh, I think they, they're, you know, Korkmaz, uh, you know, he, they've been sort of waiting for him to uh, to have an impact on the NBA level. He was great in the World Cup for Turkey, uh, and uh, you know, he was really a, a very important player for a team that that, that overachieved. Uh, so that you know, you have to hope that maybe he can carry some of that uh, into the season and be a guy uh, who they who they use. Uh, you know, their bench is is, is very questionable. That's that that's going to be uh, the big issue. You know, their starting five is impressive, uh, but uh, but but their bench is is questionable. Do they have the three point shooting? All those things are going to be uh, uh, big questions for them. Uh, you know, you, you, like you say, that 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 front line talent, the talent that they're paying. Uh, you know, max contract type numbers, uh, that's all well and good. Uh, but, but uh, you know, you need those role players. And I'm not sure that they, that they know quite where they're going to rely uh, when it comes to uh, uh, some of those role players, some of those guys on the bench. Riddle me this. J.R. Smith is from central New Jersey by way of northern New Jersey. He played for the Knicks. He won a championship with the Cavs. Would he fit in Philadelphia? I think so. You know, I, I I don't see why you wouldn't at least give him a look. Um, you know, he he is a guy who, you know, for for all his uh, for all the negatives that have been associated with Jr. Um, you know, as he's gotten older and as he's uh, sort of figured out his role in the NBA, a lot of that stuff has has been diminished. Uh, and uh, and and the reality is that that he can come in and and, and he's a streak shooter. Uh, he's, uh, he's a fearless shooter. Uh, but I think if you're, if you're the Sixers, that's the kind of thing you need, you know, you put them on the floor and, and you can kind of gauge in the first five or six minutes, whether Jr. has got it or not. If he's got it, you leave him in there. <laughs> if not, you take him out. Uh, you know, I think when you look at some of what the Sixers have on the roster, uh, you know, uh, taking a chance on a guy like Jr. uh, would, uh, would be something that makes a lot of sense. Now, I don't think they're going to do it. But uh, you know, I I, I think that uh, uh, that they've taken all the risks they want to take at this point. Uh, but but I, I you know I'm not sure that uh, uh, that it's something that doesn't uh, uh, that doesn't make sense and and isn't at least worth the gamble for for like I say uh, a team that really is, is questionable on that bench. I don't know how you feel about this, but I look at the New Orleans Pelicans and I think that people are sleeping on how talented they are. Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday, I think, is a is a fantasy basketball player's, or at least a 2K player's dream, mixed with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. What do you think? 
And I think one of the underrated things that, you know, when David Griffin got that job, you know, he went through this whole charade about, well, you know, we're not going to trade Anthony Davis. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do, you know, it was, everybody knew that he was just trying to repair the relationship with Rich Paul uh, and, and, and sort of get everything on the, and it kind of buried the hatchet, I think, between uh, Anthony Davis and the organization. So everybody could move on. But the other thing that he did that, that, that didn't get as much notice is he said, I'm not trading Drew Holiday. And, and teams called him and teams are trying to, trying to pry him out of there. Uh, and, and he said, no, 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 that is not happening. Uh, and he stuck to that. That was not a charade. That was something he was very, very serious about. Uh, and, and, and I think that's probably the glue of that team that you do have these young guys with a lot of talent. Uh, you've got some, some, some interesting pieces, some, uh, some guys who I think, uh, are ready to, to improve, to break out a little bit, like a Brandon Ingram, like Alonzo Ball. Uh, but I think Drew Holiday is really the glue there uh, on both ends of the floor. You know, don't forget what Drew Holiday did to that uh, uh, to that Portland backcourt two years ago. Uh, you know, he was he was just amazing in that series uh, when uh, when New Orleans uh, swept Portland. Uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, I think that uh, that team. I, I agree with you that that team is uh, the West is so good that it's easy mm-hmm. to look at the top six. Uh, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans are right there for seven or eight. You know, if they're if they're a playoff caliber team uh, at this time, uh, uh, six months from now. Uh, and I think Drew Holiday is really one of the big reasons for it. And I also like Derek Favors' addition. I really thought that that that's uh, uh, that's something that's that's underrated. Getting him out of Utah, uh, you know, where he kind of struggled to play with Rudy Gobert. Uh, I think that'll be good for them as well. You mentioned Derek Favors and you mentioned Rudy Gobert. I think Utah had one of the best off seasons in the NBA. They added Mike Conley, a very underrated move. I often compare Donovan Mitchell's rise to Dwayne Wade's rise with the Miami Heat his first couple of years. What do you like about Utah, and what is and what is Quinn Snyder's team missing? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that that's a team that right now uh, had the best offseason outside of sort of the big, uh, you know, the Lakers, the the Clippers, you know, the teams that did, uh, that made the big deals. Uh, They knew exactly what they wanted. They needed a veteran point guard to put next to uh, Donovan Mitchell who could take some of the offensive pressure. Uh, You know, when when Mitchell was was going really well two years ago uh, as a rookie, uh, don't forget that was a year that, that Ricky Rubio, had one of his best shooting seasons in the NBA. Uh, and that was really important. That, that, that takes some of that pressure off of, off of, uh, uh, off of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and, you know, it, it, you just don't get that consistency from Rubio that you're going to get from Mike Conley. So uh, I think that that's going to help a lot. I think Bogdanovich, I mean, you know, he, he was uh, absolutely carried. When, when Oladipo got hurt, he carried that Pacers team. Uh, and, and, that, and that wound up being a pretty good team. He averaged 18 points uh, a game last year. Of course, he's not going to do that again. Uh, but, you know, that was a 48-win team, largely uh, because of what he was able to do offensively. Uh, so, you know, I think that, uh, uh, that, that that team is is definitely shaping up to be uh, one of the top four or five in the Western Conference, uh, which, like I say, is, is very, very tough. Uh, you know, I think that, that you'd like to see some of those young guys be able to give you something, especially Dante sure. Exum. I think he's probably the guy uh, uh, that, uh, uh, that that you really want to see take some steps forward. Yeah, to me, Dante Exum, I feel like could be there, Sean Livingston. Right, 
Yeah, because he's got the same sort of, I mean, you're right. I mean, just physically, he's got the same sort of uh, build. He should be able to, uh, you know, really be a guy who can post you up and uh, and, uh, and and do a variety of things. He's also, I mean, he, he's a pretty quick guy. You know, he's yeah. a pretty, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's got uh, uh, some real explosion. So he can bring something to that second unit I think they really need. Markel Fultz, video went viral today of uh, him on the court shooting. Do you think his issue from last year was more physical than mental or vice versa? You know, I think it was a very mental thing. You know, I mean, I think, I think, uh, um, you know, the bulk of what's been wrong with him physically is, is, uh, is, is, is healed. I think it's mostly, um, you know, he's a guy who couldn't get out of his own head. Uh, I think I thought Orlando was brilliant to take a chance on him uh, and, 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 you know, see if, uh, uh, if being on, under less pressure, being in a new environment could help him uh, sort of change where he is mentally. So, um, you know, and look, the kid, he can play. Uh, you know, I mean, he can shoot the ball. Uh, you know, and, and there were times where he looked okay in, in, in Philadelphia, uh, but, you know, just couldn't keep it going uh, consistently. Uh, you know, would miss a free throw and everything would sort of fall apart. Uh, he's just got to be able to get himself right mentally. And uh, uh, I think sort of taking last year and, 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 and being in a new place, uh, you know, it, it'd be nice. I think it'd be a good story uh, if he could bounce back and uh, uh, and show that those things are behind him. Ebony.com, Sean Devaney on Scoopy Scoop Radio. B Before Radio. I let you go, you've been around basketball as an intern with Sporting News since 97, <laughs> and uh, you're now at Heavy. You've been around a long time, literally from Michael Jordan's exit, Iverson's second year, to LeBron and the Warriors. This past summer was probably one of the craziest NBA free agencies ever. What was the biggest challenge for you reporting this past summer than any other year? You know, probably the biggest challenge was uh, uh, the, the, the speed with which everything was happening. Uh, you know, obviously the Kawhi thing sort of uh, uh, took its time, uh, but that was the only thing. Everything else, you know, really did move quickly, and uh, uh, you know, it's 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 a lot to keep to keep up with, uh, with 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 everything that happened. You know, the summer of 2010 was was pretty crazy. Uh, that's the only thing that's comparable, but uh, even that's sort of a minor comparison. To me, that's like comparing the '96 draft class versus 2003 and 2010, which is better. I think the 2003 draft class, I don't think you can possibly say enough about the 2003 draft class. And I don't just mean that for the talent that was in there. Yeah. You have to look at where basketball was before that draft class and what happened afterwards. That draft class really did, I don't want to say save the NBA, uh, but it brought the new the NBA to a different sort of height. It was just, uh, um, you know, the, the talent level, but also the, 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 the quality of person that was involved there. Uh, you know, we've talked about Carmelo. You know, he'd never gotten any trouble or anything like that. He was never, you know, there was no negatives around Carmelo Anthony. Dwayne Wade, what a, what a positive NBA ambassador he's been all over the globe, of course. Of course, LeBron, uh, you know, we've seen Chris that. Bosch. And Chris Bosh. Uh, you know, I mean, it really just uh, uh, those guys did so much 
for this game that uh, uh, that you know it, it, you, maybe you had more depth of talent in some other drafts. I just don't think uh, that that draft. Uh, what it did for the league, you know, maybe go back to '84, but uh, yeah, uh, but 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 you know, certainly in the last 30 years, I, I don't think you could uh, uh, find a better draft class than that one. And you know what's crazy when you look at and you pick apart that 2003 NBA draft. One thing that gets lost in translation. I mean, number one, for those who didn't know, Chris Humphreys was in that draft class, mm-hmm. and right. Le- LeBron played for, with a draft peer or played for a draft peer. His head coach last season, Luke Walton, was drafted in 2003 with him, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, – uh, and, you know, and, and you also had – you had some very good players. You know, I mean, you had uh, Kirk Heinrich, who played, you know, what, 13, mm-hmm. 14 years. Nick Collison was in that draft class. He played a long time. David West. You know, he, yep. he dropped uh, – uh, he was supposed to be a lottery pick. He wound up dropping. Uh, but, you know, he played a long time in the league. Uh, you know, so you, you had uh, – uh, Josh Howard was the last pick uh, by Dallas. You know, that was uh, – uh, Minnesota had lost its pick because of some shenanigans involving Joe Smith. Yep. Uh, so it was only 29 picks in the first round. Josh – uh, Josh uh, uh, Howard, yeah, Kendrick Perkins was in that draft. You know, you you really do have. Uh, uh, it, it was sort of a uh, just a just a stacked draft. Uh, but but really, the the reason that uh, that, that I think it's uh, uh, it's such a good draft is just what those what, what the headline guys what they're able to do uh, for the NBA. You know what, Sean? I did have one more question. Let's go. You wrote um, facing Michael Jordan. When you look at Michael Jordan then and you look at what the league is now, when it is all said and done, how do you compare his legacy versus LeBron's? Not saying who's better, we're talking about legacy. The number of stories that I got that were the same uh, the same thing. When I was writing that book, the number, you know, Steve Smith told me a story, uh, you know, and, and Antonio Lang told me a story, Grant Long told me a story, and they all had the same sort of theme. And that was, you know, the Bulls were losing, it wasn't going well. Somebody on the other team ran his mouth, talked some trash. And Michael will open his eyes and, you know, scored, scored X number of points in a row and the Bulls wind up winning, uh, you know, and, and it might have been a, a, you know, a boring January game, uh, you know, and, and the number of stories that are, that are like that, that are similar to that uh, is incredible. And, and I think that's something that, you know, it's a gene Michael Jordan has that, that LeBron just doesn't. So to me, that's, that's, that's really the difference. And, and it's not to say LeBron doesn't care about winning. I don't think anybody works harder than LeBron, uh, but there's this, 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 this crazy uh, killer instinct that Michael Jordan had uh, that, that I don't think anybody really can match and, and, and has matched to at least not on the level uh, in terms of where, where his skill is, so the, the combination of that uh, uh, that uh, that competitive instinct and that skill, I think Michael Jordan is unmatched. We'll put a bookmark there. I would love to get you back on the pod sometime during the season. Thank you so much for joining me today on Scoopy Radio, sir. You're off the hot seat. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Scoopy Radio. Oh my God. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 